This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you when exactly as I thought it was going to. Welcome in. Once again, we are live here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Appreciate you guys spending your Thursday with us. Jam-packed show for you guys. Of course, a lot to get to with the Atlanta Hawks. Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons will join us. I have more thoughts on the Falcons as we get closer to the draft just two weeks away from the Falcons scheduled to make the eighth overall selection in the NFL draft. So we've got a lot to get to today. And let's get right to it. Last night, the Hawks get an impressive win over the Charlotte Hornets, 132-103. to 103. Uh, And I said in the open, it went exactly as I thought. Yesterday, we were talking about what if the Hawks were to lose that game and, and, and the narrative and everything else. Uh, and I thought it was going to be a much closer game. And I was that was being sarcastic, obviously, when I said it went the way I thought it was going to. I did not think it was going to go like that at all. Like, I did not even anticipate that it would go the way it did uh, and it went down very smoothly for the Atlanta Hawks, which is great, right? I mean, that was a game that I think we want the Hawks to play on the regular. Like, that was a game that we want the Hawks to be able to come out and play every single time. Now, that's not realistic. Um, you know, getting six players in double figures is going to be tough to do every single night. But still, you know, it's it's the kind of game where – the Hawks got exactly what they needed from their supporting cast. Like it was more than just Trey. And oh, by the way, don't be misled. I mean, Trey is the star and there is no doubt that he makes everything go, but Trey didn't really have a great night last night. I know that was the talk. And I know that that was what the, what the post-game interview was about. And this, I mean, last time I checked guys, eight for 24 is not a good shooting percentage. It's 33%. Like that's not good. He was one for seven from three. Trey is nearly a 40% free throw shooter. That's not good. Only got to the line eight times. Made seven of eight of them. Remember how we talked about his box scores and what they look like. When he's having those low shooting nights, he better be getting to the free throw line double-digit times, or he better be dishing out a ton of assists. And he did that last night. He had 11 assists. But here's what made last night so much more effective was 22 from DeAndre Hunter, 15 points and 17 boards from Clint Capella. He had 18 points from Gallinari, 13 from Kevin Herter, went three for four from three. And then, of course, Bogey, Bogey Bogdanovich, 13 points for him and three for seven from three. Like, you got such a well-rounded effort. And when Trey is not having a great night, because if Trey has that sort of night against Cleveland, it's going to be a much closer game because Cleveland defensively is that much better than the Charlotte Hornets are. And so I appreciated seeing the level of you know, well-roundedness, if that's a thing, like how much everybody got involved and how much the entire team played like a team last night. And if they get that, if they get more than one or two other guys being this effective when John Collins isn't in the lineup, then guess what? They're going to be okay, right? Um, John Collins is so important to what the Hawks do offensively as he is defensively he's so important because he can draw other people away he is a legitimate other scorer you're not getting 22 points a night from deandre hunter 
hell, you're not getting 15 points a night from DeAndre Hunter. Like Kevin Herter and, and, and Gallinari and all these other guys, they're not putting up those numbers. Those aren't averages for those guys. And so last night was not an average night for the Atlanta Hawks without John Collins. Now, when John Collins is there, Trey can do a lot of different things because the t- t- defenses are forced to go guard Collins. They're forced to respect his ability to score 20 points a night because he can, right? He's done that in his career. They don't have to respect the other guys as much. And with Collins out, they need a full, complete effort, and they get it, so it was an easy win, and they cruise to it. And I think the other part of that that's super important, Trey Young scored 24 points last night, played 34 minutes. That's it. Didn't have to play 38. Didn't have to play 40 um, in a in a playoff atmosphere, in a playoff game. And typically, sometimes that's what it's going to take. Uh, if things were a lot closer, Trey would have pushed more. But think about how fresh their legs are going to be in this game against Cleveland. Not an advantage that Cleveland had. They had to push all the way against Brooklyn for 48 minutes to try and win that game because they were close enough to do it. So the Hawks may have a little bit of a rest advantage against Cleveland. Now, when you look at the matchup with the Cavaliers, what's important to understand is that the Cavaliers statistically are a very good defensive team. They finished fifth in the NBA in points allowed. They are sandwiched between two teams, the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors. The Hawks have won and covered eight of their last 10 games. You know where their two losses were to? The Heat and Toronto. I bring that to light to say that good defensive teams like the Heat and Toronto give the Hawks fits offensively. Cleveland has the ability on defense to do that. Now, they're missing Jared Allen, and that's been a huge, huge loss for them because over the last 10 games, Cleveland's given up 113 points per game, which is eight more than they've averaged on the season when the season ended. They finished at 105. They're giving up 113. And in reality, again, with the loss of Allen, that number is probably more like 104 that they've given up during the season. So this is not a Cavaliers defense right now that is playing at the most optimum level, and the Hawks are ripe for the picking uh, of this Cavaliers team at this moment. I know how bad the Hawks have been on the road. That is fair. They don't score as much on the road as they do at home. That is fair. But Cleveland's offense cannot keep up with the Hawks. This is all about Cleveland's defense. It's all about the Cavaliers' ability to be able to slow down the Atlanta Hawks because if they can't, the Hawks will win and cover this game easily. It's that simple. The Hawks are a more talented offensive team. Um, They showed everybody last night on a national stage, don't mess with us. You don't want to play us right now. Uh, Because when we're clicking, everybody's in trouble. And that's fair. You know, and Trey is is getting his mojo back right at the right time. And I expect him to have another big night. If he doesn't and the Hawks lose, that's like almost okay. Like that's the acceptable way to lose this game. For Trey to have a huge night, I'm sorry, Trey to have an off night rather, and then lose this game. Trey can't have a 35-point night and everybody else stink to join up and the Hawks lose. Like, that's not the scenario you want because all that does is bring to light what we talked about yesterday, that there's not enough around him, that they need another star, that they need more because right now, objectively, at best of the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference, like, you don't want that scenario to play out. If Trey Young has an awful night and the Hawks lose, we all get it. We all understand. Wasn't his night. You move on. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think playoff Trey is going to be playoff Trey, and they're going to win, and they're going to head on to go play the Miami Heat, which is a completely different, you know, 
team and, and monster altogether. Uh, but that said, take care of business tomorrow night in Cleveland, uh, and you're on to the NBA playoffs. So congrats to the Hawks. Uh, again, they win and cover last night, by the way. And the total went under. You ever heard of the term closing line value? If you haven't, it's a thing in this betting world. Uh, if, if you got the, the total last night at 235 and a half, you keep your closing line value trophy and your money because it ended up at 235 as uh, LaMelo Ball tried to uh, <laughs> try to push that total over at the very last second. But you guys don't have to worry about that kind of stuff if you're not into the gambling. You know I am. All right, uh, we have a lot more to do. I want to get into another mock draft that came out for the Atlanta Falcons next because it speaks to me. Plus, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons will join us. Stay with us right here. It's A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast search for Locked On Sports ATL. Welcome back in A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. I am Mark Zinno. Make sure you guys give us a follow at Mark Zinno and at Locked On ATL. Keep up with the show. Let us know what you think so far. Continuing to grow this following here. So many great shows on this platform. Not only A to Z, but Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Tanitra Batiste and Jarvis Davis. And of course, all of our other Locked On shows, including Locked On Hawks. We had Brad Roland on earlier in the week. We're going to talk to Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons here in a moment. Don't forget about Grant McCauley's Braves postcast after every Braves postgame. We've got so many great contributors here, and we just appreciate you guys being part of Locked On Sports Atlanta and certainly having a lot of fun with us. All right, let's turn our attention to the Atlanta Falcons once again. As I have opined over the past couple of days and weeks about the draft strategy for the Falcons going forward, let's welcome him in from... Locked on Falcons. It is Aaron Freeman joining us here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Aaron, welcome. And how are you, sir? Let me make sure I get this all figured out. And I don't have it figured out. Hang on. What did I do? I'm so bad at this. All right. You start and I'll figure this out. So let's do this. Um, plain and simple. Where should the Falcons go at eight, in your opinion? I think they probably need to go back to what their seemingly original plan was that they had as recent as this year's combine uh, where Arthur Smith sort of publicly was saying to all the media people that were asking him about their rebuild strategy, which is build up the roster and then go get a quarterback. I certainly understand the desire for the team to address what is the most glaring potential issue on the team, which is, you know, who's going to inherit the title of Matt Ryan at the top of this draft. But, you know, I think both you and I probably agree that the Falcons are not going to be particularly good. Next year's quarterback class is going to be stronger. So I think you need to start building up this roster um, for that eventuality when you do go get your franchise quarterback uh, potentially at the top of next year's draft. So I would personally love to see the Falcons get a pass rusher. We've been clamoring for the the, the fact that the Falcons – do not have a functional pass rush for seemingly decades now at this point in time. Uh, and so getting one of these top edge rushers in this sort of edge rush heavy draft class feels too good to pass up. And I think you'll probably be able to get one of the four to five top edge rushers at eight, um, you know, regardless of how the first seven picks go. All right. Let's talk about where we agree. Um, one, you're not going to be very good this year. And whether you want to acknowledge it or not, this isn't year one of the rebuild. This is like year zero. Next year is year one when you get all the salary cap money free. You have $77 million in cap space, no dead cap, and you can actually start to construct and reconstruct the roster. So this year actually doesn't count towards the rebuild. So whatever it is, it is. 
I agree that there are multiple holes in the roster that they need to address. I will say that you're not going to get me off the point of whenever you're doing a rebuild, you have to start at the quarterback position. Like you can't rebuild a team without a quarterback. Look at the Washington Commanders. They built an entire roster, and the best they could do is go seven, eight, and one and start Taylor Heineke in a playoff game to lose to the Buccaneers. Like it's just not the way the Colts, you know. I didn't even want to say their exception because they went from Andrew Luck. And once he retired, they had to go, they had a bridge year with Jacoby Brissett where they didn't know what they were doing because it was so sudden. And then you could plug the quarterback in. But again, they built around Andrew Luck first. I mean, the, the Dolphins, even them, they decided it was Tua and got him first and put him in there, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess, was supposed to start. But they addressed the quarterback at the top. I don't think the Falcons should be afraid. To do what the Arizona Cardinals did, if Malik Willis is there and you like him, draft him. Throw him to the Wolves and see if he can play. And if he can't, guess what? Go draft another one next year. Like, that's totally okay. Like it, It's not against the rules. And the idea that you have to draft a quarterback and stick with them is silly. And you're going to go, why are you going to draft a quarterback? There's no offensive line. He's not, he's not going to be able to be any good. Guess what? Joe Burrow didn't have that either. But you could see he could play. Like, it's not that hard to know who can play and who can't. Joe Burrow made them competitive. They didn't win games, but he made them competitive, and that's all you're asking the quarterback to do. I hear you on that, um, Zeno. Um, I don't think you're wrong, um, but I just don't think that's how NFL teams operate, that the idea of <laughs> we're going to take a quarterback at eight this year and we're not married to that guy. You know, you, know, you look at the Cardinals, what they did, as you say, with Josh Rosen with a top 10 pick in, in 2018 and then having the number one pick in 2019 and taking Kyler Murray. But a big part of why they were willing to move on from Josh Rosen is because they made a coaching change. Coaching change, yes. 100% we, fair point. We, yes. we know that NFL teams just I, – I, I hear you. You're you, you absolutely right. You're gonna, you you potentially – you know the, the hit rate on quarterbacks is, is so low in the NFL and you know taking two swings at it. Uh, makes total sense to maximize your chances of, of finding that guy. But we just know that if the Falcons or really any team go out there and, and draft the quarterback, particularly in the top 10 of a draft, they're married to that guy for at least two, if not three or more years. Um, and, you know, the only way that really you see teams that, you know, go in a different direction is when somebody gets fired. And, uh, you know, that may you know, I, I'm sure some people yeah. might welcome that, but uh, no, I don't, I, I don't think firing Arthur, Arthur Smith is the right move at this point in time. And, and he has to be comfortable with his guy that he chooses. Right. Like, but we all know Marcus Mariota is not the long-term solution. And, and the real question is, is how long do you want to wait? If this is year zero, there's no better year to draft a quarterback and let him play the first five or six games and see what he can do. And if he can't Mariota finishes out the season and then you can move on. But in the same respect, it's just like one of those things where you're going to waste a year of the rookie quarterback when you take him next year. And the only guarantee you have, Aaron, in waiting till next year is if you guarantee yourself the number one overall pick and you tank, right? Because there's always something that could change. If a quarterback is that good and that highly touted, if it's Bryce Young or whoever it is, right? There's If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. Somebody can jump in front of you. And that's the risk you're going to run. Yeah, it's, there's no clean solution, right? It's one of those things where you could wait on a quarterback and take one on day two. I know you don't necessarily love that idea because you're not getting a franchise quarterback. Yeah. You're giving yourself at least an option, 
maybe you find a Jalen Hurts, maybe you find a Jimmy Garoppolo that in the event that you don't uh, stink hard enough uh, this upcoming season to get that number one pick or that number two pick where, you know, I think most people look at it as a two quarterback uh, quarterback race at the top of next year's draft. We'll see how that changes over the next you know year. But, you know, you, you need to give yourself an option. And it's, it's just it's hard in the situation that the Falcons find themselves in where you're either basically going all in on getting that quarterback next year um, or getting your guy this year and hoping for the best. But the reason why I have a hard time buying into the notion of getting that guy today is we, we see this time and time again in the NFL where you put these quarterbacks in these bad situations and uh, the Falcons are not a great situation right now. And we know how that goes. There, there's, it's very rare where a quarterback's going to come through that better we look at say last year's quarterback class where you had five quarterbacks is it a surprise to us that mac jones was the best when he went to a team that had a top 10 running game a top 10 offensive line and a top five defense and the rest of these guys stink is it going to be a surprise to us if trey lance emerges uh as the 49er starter and is the second or first most effective quarterback among that quarterback class because he goes to a team in san francisco that has a running game and a defense you don't have any of those factors in, in atlanta and i just feel like Throwing, getting a quarterback now and throwing him to the wolves, we know how that turns out nine times out of ten. And you're basically betting on whether it's Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter. You're betting on that guy being the sort of exception to the rule. And I just don't think that's a, a great bet. So it's it's not an ideal situation. You know, it goes back to a conversation you and I had a year ago. Uh, when it came to that draft where we both were in agreement and, and you know that we don't always agree on a lot of things, but sometimes no, we, we do. The rare time we were, man, we, 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 we struck out. <laughs> so it, it's one of those things where like you feel like a lot of headaches would have been avoided at the, had the Falcons had maybe that clarity of vision that you were talking about a year ago, but now they're just kind of making the best of a bad situation. And I just don't feel like taking a quarterback at the top of this draft class is making that situation better. I just feel like you're acting a little bit out of desperation, but I 100% agree, right? I, I am lusting after a quarterback because I know you need to get that position solved. Like it just, there, it, it is step one in the process on page one of rebuilding an NFL franchise one-on-one for dummies. Like it says, get a quarterback, right? Like, so, and I understand it. And, and I've said this repeatedly, if you're not taking a quarterback, those other three guys, whether it's Pickett, you know, Ritter, Corral, whoever it is, all those other quarterbacks at the top, they better stink. They better stink because if you if if one of those guys turns out to be something, passed on him. If somebody takes him at nine or ten and you passed on him, they're down. They're never going to live it down unless they get it right the following year, and that is a a miss on your draft record, right? That that you let a guy go. Um, I'll use the perfect example. The New York Giants decided Odell Beckham Jr. over Aaron Donald. I still throw up my mouth every time I have to say that out loud as a Giants fan. Guess what? Yeah, they got it wrong. And and Aaron Donald is the best defensive player and will end up in the Hall of Fame one day. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. When you make like seven straight all pros, you're going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think will hurt you overall. And I do want to go back. And I, I think this bears repeating because I, I want to ask you about wide receivers in a minute. But when we talked about this last year, you and I were of the, the the idea that, you know, it was time to go get a quarterback and figure out the heir apparent. Because the situation with Matt Ryan was always on the table, whether you wanted to acknowledge it or not. There was always going to be like this whole Falcon for life crap that the owner spit, it, spit out of his mouth and, and, and just destroyed. Um, to me, it, it was ill-prepared. And really, I'm more mad for Falcons fans 
that they weren't smart enough to move off of Matt Ryan when the new regime came in. Just like you talked about with the Arizona Cardinals. You got a new GM, you got a new head coach, new quarterback, usher, everybody in at the same time. That was when it should have been done. And that's not a knock on Ryan. It was a business decision. Then it would have been a business decision. Now it was, you went after a guy, slipped and fell, stuck your foot in your mouth, and you had no other option. Like, that's why you got rid of Matt Ryan. I don't care what anybody says. That's how that whole thing went down. So, uh, you know, if you had that guy from last year, you wouldn't feel like Falcons fans feel right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, you're right. It, it was it was never about Matt Ryan. It was about this is a new era of Falcons football. We we spent the last four years with Dan Quinn trying to to redeem that Super Bowl loss, try to win one with Matt Ryan. We weren't able to pull that off. It's not that Matt Ryan is incapable of doing that. It's just the Falcons became a situation that it was just not going to work long term and, and trying to you know, redeem that and, and get that back just to me just did not make a lot of sense for this new regime. It was time to sort of start all over and, and start this rebuild and, and get your guy. You know, you had a potential number of really quality quarterbacks fall into your lap. And that's the hardest position to fill on the football team It's the hardest um, position to find. And you had really talented players. Certainly most people would agree more talented than you have this year fall into your lap. And it's just too good an opportunity to pass up. And then, you know, even if that guy wound up satting, sitting last year, even if that guy came in to this season with not a whole lot around him, as we're seeing is the case with Marcus Mariota or Matt Ryan or whoever would be the Falcons quarterback, at least you feel like we got the most important position on the football field secure, mm -hmm. and now we can go out there and rebuild the rest of this roster. And it made all the sense of the world. You and I thought so. Yep. Clearly, the people in the Flowery Branch did not necessarily yeah, think but, so. And, and again, the bigger thing, like he would have had a year under his belt. He would have had this system down. He would have been throwing to some of these other low-budget wide receivers in practice that, you know, nobody knows of. Uh, th there's just so many advantages to doing it. Uh, and and I, I genuinely feel like they missed a really big opportunity. But, you know, people will tell you and I that we're, be we're being re it's revisionist history when we were the ones screaming uh, a year ago to do it. But nonetheless, uh, we digress. Back to this year and the draft. Uh, yeah. I would like to know the level of nausea and vomitousness you will have if the Falcons take a wide receiver at eight overall. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been saying it now for a couple of weeks now. I, I like these wide receivers, but you, you can't start your rebuild with a wide receiver. A wide receiver is not a foundational piece of your offense or your team, no. right? Wide receivers are essentially, as I term it, mercenaries, right? You go out there and you get the guy that's going to take your offense to that next level, but you need to establish a foundation for your offense uh, first that starts with a quarterback that starts with an offensive line that starts with a running game that and then on the on the defensive side of the ball you need to get stops and then go get your wide receiver and we see some of these teams like buffalo you know really sort of laying their foundation with josh allen a great defense and then going getting stefan Diggs. we saw this with the falcons you know more than a decade ago when they had matt ryan they had michael turner they had you know a solid defense not a great defense but a solid enough defense to get you into the postseason and then you go get Julio Jones. Um, and so like the idea of the Falcons going back to back years without any of these other issues that we're talking about quarterback or running game or no offensive line, no defense to go take two pass, pass, pass catchers in the top 10. It's yeah, like, it, Oh it, my God, shoot me it, in the face. It, it would, it, it would make me sick to my stomach. I, I usually yeah. try to give the team the benefit of the doubt because no. we never know how these players turn out in the future. We always look back three to five years and say, Oh, that guy that we thought was going to be a star. He stinks. That guy that we thought nobody thought was going to be good, he's a star. But 
that to me is just a very bad process. Even if the Falcons do wind up getting a really good wide receiver in this draft class, how much is that going to help your roster if you don't have a quarterback, if you don't have a running game, if you don't can't pass protect and you can't play defense? Wide receivers don't really help you in that. If you have all those things, you know, if you check all those boxes, a wide receiver can be immensely beneficial to you and help you take that next step. But it's not the foundation piece for a rebuild. And to me, it says like you've learned nothing from the previous organization's failures. Stop being finesse. Stop being flash on the outside. Like figure out something, uh, the core way to make your team better. And and I said this yesterday on the show was that you know because the Falcons had no money in free agency to spend, they were just shopping in the in the you know the the discount barrel. Um, you really couldn't get an idea of what they the identity they wanted this team to be like. You're going to be able to tell that from this draft pick because it's the biggest, most major move that they have. And I hope um, that it is a foundational. You can even argue to me to go take a, one of the best tackles in this draft at eight, get either get rid of McGarry and move him. I don't know. It's not easy to move guys inside. We always say that like, Oh, just move it. No, it doesn't work that way. If you, sometimes guys who can't play tackle can't play guard either. Um, but regardless, trade him, get rid of him. go get me a uh, Eka McWanu and, and, he could play right tackle for a year and then you can unload Jake Matthews and move him over to left. Like that's the most natural transition for tackles in the NFL. That's how you build a team long-term. Uh, and if you're going to draft a quarterback next year, you damn well better make sure you have a left tackle that pairs with them for the better part of five years. So uh, there's a lot of options out there for him. Just not wide receiver, please. Like for the love of all that's holy, don't do, don't make me throw things on behalf of Falcons fans. That's all I'm saying, Aaron. Well, I'll, I'll be throwing them too. So I'll have to get a new computer, a new television, all that stuff. <laughs> they take the wide receiver. Make sure you guys follow them on Twitter at Falcfans, F A L C F A N S. Check out Locked on Falcons podcast with the host, Aaron Freeman. Thanks for the time, brother. I appreciate it, man. This is great. We're going to do this again as we get closer to the draft. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Make sure you guys. Search for your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta, wherever you get them. We're free on YouTube as well. Appreciate you guys spending some time with us each and every day here on this Thursday. It was great to just talk with uh, Aaron Freeman. And we will wrap things up here today uh, with Dane Brugler, who is one of the best draft analysts out there, Uh, works for The Athletic. I I truly enjoy his work. Uh, He puts out a huge entire draft sort of like portfolio every single year. Uh, And in his latest mock draft, um, his seven-round mock draft, all 262 picks, it was just released today. Um, I want to go through it because we talked a little bit about mock drafts, and I I don't put too much stock into them because I know how people react to them, and I know exactly what they're for and why everybody does a mock draft because it just generates clicks, right? It's easy for people to just go look and see who does this person think my team is going to take, and that's it. But yesterday it was Mel Kuyper, and he thinks the Falcons are taking Garrett Wilson. And I saw somebody on Twitter say something, the more I see Garrett Wilson to the Falcons, the more it makes sense to me. And I'm just sitting here going, in what world does it make sense? You don't have anybody to throw him the ball. Like, what world does it make sense? You're going to change his quarterback in a year at two at most. What world does it make sense? Like, Marcus Mariota is not the guy to develop Garrett Wilson into a high-level NFL wide receiver. It just, it, it makes zero sense. I don't, I'm not sure how it makes sense, but whatever. Like, that is, as I was telling Aaron Freeman, my puke factor for them taking a wide receiver is is so low. The threshold is so low. I, I just I don't want to see them do it. To me, it is just a number one sign that it is bad news all the way around. So uh, I want no part of it, none whatsoever. But here is Dane Brugler. 
Aiden Hutchinson to the Jaguars, Javon Walker to the Lions at two, uh, Eka McWanu to the Texans at three, Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jets at four, Evan Neal to the Giants at five, Kenny Pickett going to the Carolina Panthers at six. Uh, the Giants take Sauce Gardner, uh, the cornerback from Cincinnati at seven, and at eight, Dane Brugler has the Atlanta Falcons taking Malik Willis. Here's the write-up. Falcons are officially a rebuilding franchise, and the number one priority in this draft or the next draft is to find the quarterback of the future. Next year's quarterback class may be more promising, but this comes down to Atlanta's projection of Willis. If the Falcons believe he can be a high-level quarterback, then they shouldn't pass. Thank you, Dane. You are, you are of my, my heart and mind. I appreciate you injecting some sanity into this whole thing. Uh, you, you can't pass on a quarterback if you think he's the guy just because you're not ready. I, I keep telling you, rebuild, start around the quarterback position. There's no other way to do it. Yes, this is year zero. And, and next year, the quarterbacks are more promising, but I don't play that game. Like, you have to live in the here and now. Um, it, it's just, it doesn't have to be the world's most glorious quarterback prospect for it to work out. Um, and and I don't have a problem with them rolling the dice. I appreciate organizations who take chances. The only way to hit big is to bet big. The only way to hit a home run is to swing big. Like, you know, these are just like basic ideas and principles. If if you don't swing big on a quarterback, you're never going to hit big on a quarterback. The, the, the Tom Brady's are the, the rarities of the world. The Russell Wilson's are the rarities of the world. All the other high-level quarterbacks in this league, Matt Stafford, first rounder. Aaron Rodgers, first rounder. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, first rounder. Josh Allen, first rounder. Kyler Murray, first rounder. Like I, This is where the NFL is nowadays. And don't even count Tom Brady anymore. It was 25 freaking years ago. Like, it doesn't even count anymore. Neither does Russell Wilson. It was over a decade ago. First round quarterbacks are where it's at, man. That's it. Go get one. See if they can play. It, it, it's really that simple to me. Like, it does not make much sense for me to for them to go in a different direction, unless you're going to beef up the line. I'm okay with that as a secondary play. I'm not going to hate it uh, by any stretch of the imagination. As I told Aaron, I don't think it's bad for them to take a tackle. Jake Matthews is not going to be much longer for this organization. He's not going to be here for another five or six years. I guarantee you, if you draft a quarterback next year, Jake Matthews is not your left tackle the entire time that quarterback is here. Why? Because of age, because of salary cap, because of a whole variety of different things that could cause him to no longer be part of this team. I mean, so you better have a replacement at left tackle. And now would be a great time to go get one because there are great ones at the top of this draft, two or three of them. Like that's a position you could absolutely get me to smile at is them taking offensive tackle. Of course, they need a pass rusher. They always need pass rushers. This organization needs pass rusher like a desert needs rain. You know, I mean, it just, it, 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 there's no way around it. So um, let's see what they do. We got two weeks of the NFL draft. We're going to dissect this a hundred ways more uh, than than needed, right? We're going to over dissect it. And speaking of over dissecting, uh, I'll finish on this final thought here uh, for this Thursday. I've heard radio, I heard a certain radio host in this town um, complain about the Braves who are three and four. Stop. They've played five, count it, not even 5% of their games for the season. Stop. Don't give me the put the rings down thing. Enjoy all of this. Enjoy 
being the defending champ. Who cares if you have targets on your back? It is such a long season. So many things are going to change. The idea that anybody could be anything upset about what has gone on the first week of the season is laughable. I told you my concerns. I think they strike out too much. Worried about the top of the lineup. Those are fair concerns. Am I writing the team off? Do I think that they strike out too much? No, they lead a league in strikeouts, but still, so what? It's been a week. It'll change. Like, settle down, folks. It's going to be fine. Really. The Braves are a very well-constructed team. If they play to the back of the baseball cards, they'll be in the playoffs again. It really is that simple. All right, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Follow Locked On Sports Atlanta at Locked On ATL. Remember, we're free on YouTube. Wherever you guys get your podcast, search for Locked On Sports Atlanta. And we'll be back tomorrow. Preview more of the Hawks and get you set for the weekend right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta. You guys have a great day. Don't tell me crap from anybody. See ya.